We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Thomas Fortino and Brian Uselding are investment advisor representatives of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor, Alpha Wealth Group, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and AM560 The Answer Radio are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with the professionals specializing in the field of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their individual situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Now stay tuned for the Alpha Wealth Hour, heard every Saturday at 9 a.m., right here on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, everyone. As always, as I say, a great show for you today. In fact, it's a special show because today we have a special guest. He's been on with on our show frequently. That's the attorney, Frank Salerno, who is our in-house. We partnered with him. He, he handles the estate planning. And so now when we talk about estate planning today, I can refer to, to the legal mind here today, and it isn't just based on my opinion. So that's, that's always a good thing. But what we're going to talk about today, and let me just start out this one. I'll, I'll ask some questions. You know, are you aware of how your assets are titled? Do you know the, deed, the, the, the title on the deed to your home? Do you know how your bank accounts are titled? Are your children aware of how things are set up? Do you know what your final wishes are? And so, unfortunately, all too often, you know, we're not aware of these things. And, and, you know, these are, a lot of times when I say these are problems that are asleep. They're problems that, unfortunately, when something comes up, um, you know, if we haven't done something up front, then we have the introduction of the court systems. We have, obviously, family issues, emotional issues. And so what we want to do is today, we're going to go through this, we're going to talk about an offer. We have some special offers. We actually have a workshop coming up on this estate planning. I think it's uh, April 25th. You can go to our website. We're going to give out some information today as well. We're going to get you organized and we're going to get you some great information that's going to make a difference in your overall planning. Uh, It's fundamental. You know, I always say this, look, in one way, shape or form, either during your lifetime or after, your estate is going to be controlled or passed through these documents. So what we'll do is we're going to get right into it, Frank. I want to talk about, maybe we'll focus on a couple things as far as the titles of your assets. And I asked the question, do you know how they're titled? Who are your beneficiaries? When was the last time you checked on these things? And we're going to also offer our asset organizer, which is going to help you get organized so you can answer these things. But I don't know if we want to get started right on the point about what I talk about, which two of the main areas are the title on your accounts and the beneficiaries that dictate how things work. Would you agree that probably titling is maybe, I I hate to say it's the most important aspect, but we talk about titling. That's one of the most important aspects of your uh, estate planning, isn't it? Yes. Good morning, Tom. Nice to be with you today. Yes, you're absolutely right. You know, everything comes down to how your assets are titled. You know, and, and you're right. When you ask people, well, who's on title to the house? They go, we bought the house in the 80s. I'm assuming that my husband and I are on title, but they just don't remember. Mm-hmm. 
And then it's the same thing, you know, as you mentioned with beneficiaries. You know, you always say to people, who's the beneficiaries on your life insurance or on your retirement accounts? And they go, well, it's my husband. It's my wife. And my follow-up question to that is, is well, who's your contingent beneficiary? Mm-hmm. And most people go, I don't know. I'm assuming it's my children or I'm assuming it's this person. And would I have a contingent beneficiary? What's a contingent beneficiary? And so you're absolutely right. You know, when you're going through this process, you know, the, the first step is to take an inventory of your assets and see how assets are titled and who the, who's on ownership paper and who the beneficiaries are. I mean, I, I've heard you say before, you know, you, you have life insurance and, you know, your former spouse is on the life insurance and yep. you, you never change it. You know, yeah. or, you know, people before they get married and you know, they have life insurance, they have retirement accounts that mom and dad are on as their beneficiaries on the life insurance because they don't have a spouse. They don't have children. And then right. they think, oh, well, now I'm married, so it must automatically go to my wife or must automatically go to my husband or if kids it must automatically go to them. The answer is no, it does not. Those beneficiary designation, designations, regardless of how old they are, how dated they are, or how inaccurate they are, they control. And so there are things that need to be checked. That's why I say, well, that's, I would, uh, we'll get into this. I want to just take a step back. One of the first steps really in this process is, I think you used the term, Frank, do an accounting of assets. Because if you can't say, I know absolutely who my beneficiaries are, I know how my assets are titled, well, that can be a problem. And, and when I made the comment, these are things that are asleep, because unfortunately, sometimes we get... We get blindsided because we say, oh, yeah, I never, someone never got to that. Or did, you know, your children now are sitting around a table um, saying, okay, do you know what dad and mom did? We don't know. So there's this confusion that takes place. But, you know, asset titling, which we're going to talk about for a while here because I want to I get into this because you can have assets that are titled individually. You can have assets that are titled jointly. You can have assets that are titled to a, co- a corporation or a company. And you can have assets that are ultimately, which we'll get to in a second, titled to a trust. But... I mean, I'm going to give one example, and you can talk more about it. This is a true statement, isn't it? If you have assets, so let's say, for instance, you go in. Oh, you go in. I left my phone on if you can hear that, so I'm going to try <laughs> to turn that off. You go in, and you, uh, there we go. You go in, and you open a bank account, let's say, and you put it in your name, and you say, you know, I'll get to that later. Um, it, so now you have an individually titled account. You never get to it, and I'm married, and I pass away. That doesn't necessarily go to my spouse, does it? No, that, that's an accurate statement as well. You know, and so I guess the first question is, is if you have assets in your name individually, this bank account, and it goes through the court system, that's probate. You know, and so the question is, is, okay, well, who gets that? And again, it's the misconception because people think, oh, I'm married. It must go to my wife. You know what? It depends on the dollar amount and it depends on who else is involved in your family, in your life. And so, you know, the laws in the state provide that a, 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 your spouse gets the first set amount. And then once you get over that threshold, assets get divided between your spouse and your children. Yeah. You know, and so it really does provide or create a nightmare because you're saying, well, I got this bank account and I got minor children. And now a portion of this bank account has gone to my minor children. Or even if I have adult children, it goes to them. It's going, I really want my wife to get it because my wife needs that to provide for herself. And so, you know, what happens with, with the children? And you carry it one step further. What if it's your house? Yeah. And you know what? You have this house that you bought maybe before you got married and you're the only one on title, and then you pass away, it goes into the court system, and your spouse and your children now own the home. And so if you have minor children, now you have minor children who have an ownership interest in a house. Try to refinance a piece of property with minor children as owners on it. No bank's going to give them money. Same thing, they want to sell it. They don't have the capacity to sign that paperwork. So someone's got to get appointed their legal guardian mm-hmm. so that they can do all that. You know, And so, again, it's the stuff that people think, oh, it must take care of itself because I'm married, you know, that's not the case. You know, we need to do planning. We need to make sure that those things don't happen. 
Yeah. So again, when you sit down and you organize, and I'm going to offer this asset organizer here in a minute, we'll also include some of the documents, the state planning, the six essential documents, as well as some other things that'll help you guide you through this process. But that really is the first step because I'm telling you, when you sit down and you start listing things and accounting for things, you're going to realize that, hey, there's a beneficiary that's inaccurate here. Uh-oh, I titled a, uh, an account some time ago and I forgot to put my spouse on it or it's not in my trust if you have a trust. So these are things that uh, I think this is an exercise that can be maybe the most beneficial exercise you go through. So I'll include this with the packet of information on estate planning. The asset organizer, you can actually download it. We can email it to you. You can use it and you can update it. So we'll get all this information out to you if you give us a call in the next few minutes. This is a great start. Um, even if you've done estate planning documents, when was the last time you pulled them out the shelf and looked at them? A lot of people have do them years ago and they haven't looked at them. They've, things have changed in their life. So this is really a great opportunity to start taking accounting of everything and really understand where it's at. And then you can take the next step of saying, okay, now I know where everything's at. It's kind of like that doctor's visit. You do the analysis up front and then you can make the steps and put the proper things in place after that. So give us a call to get this information. 800-748-3185. 800 748-3185. Let's spend a little more time on asset titling because I want people to understand if they do go through this organization and they start looking at, hi, hey, my asset's titled, joint titling. Okay, assets are titled jointly. Here's a common uh, response I get. Well, my spouse is on with me on my bank account. My spouse is on me on with me on my home. This, my spouse is going to get it, so what's the big deal? Well, I mean, I guess there's a couple of things. One is, is you know, you always have the issue of, is, is well, what if you're in a common accident? You know, yep. people die simultaneously or people die shortly um, after one another. And, and so you have that issue is, is, is what if there's a, a simultaneous passing? You know, the other thing is, is, again, most people think, oh, yeah, I do want to leave everything to my wife. I do want to leave everything to my husband. You know, and while it's very, very common to name your spouses the beneficiary on everything that you have and to name your spouse and, and to hold assets jointly, it may not be the best thing to do. And, you know, again, people say, well, why? Why wouldn't I want to have my husband or my wife on title? Why wouldn't I want to have them as the beneficiaries on everything? You know, and, and I guess there's, you know, the, the concern is, 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 is that the most tax efficient way to do things? Mm-hmm. Does it always make sense to leave assets to a spouse from a tax standpoint? And we could get into why that may not be the case, but in all, in not in every circumstance, does that make sense from a tax standpoint? You know, the other thing mm-hmm. too is, 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 you know, what about creditors? You know what, if you got that bank account joint between the two parties and your husband or your wife's in an automobile accident or they have a business idea that they thought was fantastic, but it didn't quite work out and they get sued. You know what, is that asset at risk? And at least half of it is. You know, and so for a lot of people, you know, you decide is as well as one of us in a more risky industry than the other. And if the answer is yes, then you want to say, well, from an asset protection standpoint, you know, maybe it makes sense to keep them separate. You know, what if one spouse has some health issues? Mm-hmm. And you go, well, that person may have some, some significant medical bills. Is there a way that we could protect these assets? And so, again, while it starts out with, I'm going to name my spouse as the beneficiary on everything. I'm going to have everything joint. Yeah, I think that's a good starting point. But you really kind of kind of drill down a little bit and decide, does that make sense for every asset in every circumstance? And the answer isn't always yes. Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, more common, I think, nowadays where we have second marriages and you want to make sure you don't disinherit children. I mean, if that's your goal, these are things to think about. We have a lot more to get into. Uh, when you Coming back, we're going to talk about what happens when you add a, a child to your uh, joint title with a child. We're going to talk about those issues. We also want to talk about beneficiaries, and we're going to get into taxes because that's another thing. How you title your assets can determine not only how it's controlled, how it passes, but also how it's taxed. So there's a lot more to get into. But in the meantime, if you want this report, you want the asset organizer, again, 
a complete way to get, get organized and account for your assets. We'll include all of this. If you give us a call, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185. Listen up. We're going to have a lot more coming up. Welcome back, everyone. Today, you know, we're talking about a component of your overall plan, which is your estate planning. And we can think of it in a lot of different ways. Today, we have a special guest, Frank Solano, who is an estate planning attorney. As, as you know, he's he's on our show at least once a month. He's, he is We do this estate planning as part of what we do as a firm. We are an investment advisory firm and a retirement specialist. But, you know, if you don't have an estate plan, I've said it, it's almost like building a house. The estate plan is fundamental because in one way, shape, or form, these documents that you create, the plan that you create for yourself, your family, your loved ones, you know, it's either going to, your assets will either be controlled by these documents or they will flow through these documents at some point. And if we don't do the right things, the, the, the end result can be that our family certainly will be potentially exposed to probate. There can be credible levels of cost, um, the emotional aspects of it. This is really... Uh, it's, it's unacceptable, I think. I think it's something that we, we can avoid completely. Now, we've talked about all these aspects of it. We've offered this estate planning packet. I'll offer that one more time here in a second, which helps you get organized, understanding the titling on your assets, as we said it. We talked already uh, about titling of assets, how that determines how the asset flows. If the asset is titled in your name or joint, ultimately it could be exposed to the probate court system, which means, ex- which means that asset is frozen, Right. Um, we can talk about a couple things. There's two ways an asset is going to be frozen, right? If your name is on it, um, incapacitation and death, right? Yes. Those would be two ways. If something happens to you and your name's on title. You know, the other thing we were saying as we were in the last segment, you know, when we were talking about the beneficiaries, you know, and even titling, again, it comes back to looking at this stuff because, you know, even if you have the titles to your assets correct on one day, same thing with the beneficiaries. Things change. You know, what happens? You got a new job, and so you have a new 401K, and you didn't update, the, and you didn't yeah. have the correct beneficiaries on your new job. Your old one was right, but not the new one. You bought a new piece of property, and the titling isn't right anymore. So you want to just take a, re, you know, reexamine that. But you're absolutely right. If someone's name is on title, you know, again, it gets down to it is people think, okay, my wife and I are on title. If I'm in an accident or I die, my wife is totally in charge of everything, right? And so, again, the problem, as you say, is two parts. What happens if one person who's on title passes away? What happens with that person's ownership interest? But the other part, as you said, is, is, is what if someone's incapacitated? They're in an automobile accident. Their health deteriorates, and they're on title to these assets. And, again, the misconception is people think, well, if my husband is sick or my wife is sick, I, as the healthy spouse, could do everything, could make all those mm-hmm. decisions. And the answer is no, you cannot. And a marriage license doesn't give you the legal authority to transact business for each other. There's more to it than that. There's more planning that has to go into it, more thought that has to go into it. Yeah, and so sometimes I call that living probate. In other words, you can have probate during your lifetime where the family's going to be exposed, either the spouses or the children. You know, if there's, a, if there's, a, if, uh, you know, there's one, one of the parents is left and they have children, either way, um, someone's got to take control of those assets. And one, one, one comment I'll make, too, while we're talking about that is as far as titling is concerned, Keep in mind, retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, whatever it is, they have to stay in the individual's name during their lifetime. You cannot joint title retirement accounts. So just to understand from a titling standpoint, that's problematic, which we're going to get into those accounts in a minute as far as beneficiaries and taxes and so on. But they're problematic on a lot of levels. But one is that they have to stay in the individual's name during their lifetime. Well, you, you know, you're right. And so when I, when I talk to people and I say, you know, so you have a retirement account, you know, what happens if you're in an automobile accident and you're incapacitated? 99% of the time that people say, well, my spouse is the beneficiary. 
And so I, I say, I, I didn't ask what happens when you die. I ask what happens when you become incapacitated. You know, so most people think, oh, well, if something happens to me, I have a beneficiary. Yes, if you die. But again, if you become incapacitated, your beneficiary does not have access to your retirement account. That's a frozen asset. It sits there until somebody goes to court and takes control of it. And again, when you get into the court system, there's numerous downsides. But you know, right off the top, it's expensive. You have court costs. You have legal fees. It's time-consuming. You have to get in front of a judge. That could take weeks before you can get in front of a judge, especially depending upon what county that you're in. And the other part is, is, is you are leaving it up to a judge to make the determination as to who the right person is to make your decisions. Now, if it's a husband and a wife and the husband's incapacitated, as long as the, the wife is able, the judge will appoint the wife. But what if it's the survivor? So husband's deceased, wife is incapacitated, and there's three kids. All three of them want to be in charge, as all kids do. Right. You have a judge trying to decide who is the right person to pick. The judge might go, I'll pick the oldest because they're the oldest and they get certain rights by being the oldest. But what's the problem? What if mom wanted the youngest because the oldest is whatever? But how does the judge know that? And so, again, you're leaving it up to a judge to pick someone, hoping that the judge is going to pick the right person. Why would you do all that? With some basic planning, you could avoid the costs, you could avoid the time constraints, and you could take all of the questions out of it. You decide who you want, not a judge. Well, that's when we talk about these retirement accounts, we talk about how important it is, and that's why we offer the asset organizer to understand what you have in place. Again, keep in mind, imagine if if you don't have a power of attorney in place, that now you could be it could be exposed to probate during your lifetime. If the beneficiaries are set up, you could either incorrectly you could either disinherit or it could be exposed to probate. Again, you may just some people just have a spouse. Well, if there's a common accident, now there's no beneficiary. You have an asset that would normally flow outside probate will now go through probate court. So these are things we have to keep in mind. That's why we want to talk about doing a complete accounting of everything you have. And um, and so the I guess we'll we'll jump to the next thing here, which we want to talk about titling, and, and then we're going to move on. Uh, is, you know, the trust. We talk about trust. And one more comment I'm going to make about this. Some people, some of you out there may say, well, I have a power of attorney. I have a trust. When was the last time you looked at it? Who are your powers of attorney? Can you tell me after your spouse, who's after your spouse? And if, if it's one of your children, who's after that? The same thing with the trustees. How is it set up? What's the distribution section? So I'm going to make a special offer here in a minute. But I do want to make one, of, let's talk one more time about titling. Really, when you talk about a title, when we talk about trust, sometimes I'll say this, and since we have a legal uh, a legal mind here who can correct me if I'm wrong. I use the term sometimes a trust really is a title, right? If it boiled to down to its simplest form, a trust is a title. You can put a title of the trust on an asset and there's a benefit to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, that's the big difference between your trust and your will. And your trust is a document. The day you sign it, it becomes valid and effective and can be a title holder to assets. So the trust becomes the owner of your house. The trust becomes the owner of your portfolio. The trust becomes the owner of your bank account. Whereas if you're doing it all with a will, we can't do anything because your will is not going to become effective until you pass away. But the trust is a living document that can, in fact, hold title to assets and should hold title to assets. And to your point about the titling, you know, a lot of people go, well, I have a trust. And then you're right. Well, is the trust funded? Are there assets actually in the trust? Is the trust the beneficiary on your retirement accounts? Is the trust the owner of your house? And they go, well, no, the, the assets are still in my name individually. And no, I don't have a beneficiary on my account, but I have a trust. And so it's two steps. The trust exists, but then we need to make it the title holder on these assets or the beneficiary on various assets. Yeah, I think I can speak for, for Tom here, too. I So many times that we sit down with folks that have done, the, gone through the estate planning process, taken the time, paid the money, 
to do all this stuff, and then they don't go that next step. They don't fund it. They're not utilizing these documents correctly, or things change, and they don't continue to keep up with the documents. They don't continue if they open a new account to title to the trust, if they buy a new home to title to the trust. So there's loose ends, even though they've taken that time. So it is that two-step process, and it is an ongoing process to ensure that these documents, no plan's ever static. Life isn't static. Life gets messy and busy, and you just got to make sure that you review this. You're constantly looking at it to ensure that there's no loose ends. You've taken the time. You've done these things. Ensure that, that they're doing everything that you, you want them to do. Well, if you're getting bank statements or brokerage statements and they say Bob and Gene Smith, not the Bob and Gene Smith trust, they're not in your trust. So you need to look at these things. That's why we do when we do these review sessions, we say bring in your statements, bring in your documents. We'll do a complete review of them. Let's understand how things are set up. We'll look at your beneficiaries, So, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But let me do this. I want to make a special offer since Frank's here. Is We talked about it. Whether you have documents in place or not, um, if you've been thinking about this, you know, it's time to kind of, as we, I like to say, get off the schneid. Um, these are things that, you know, either you can make the decisions during your lifetime, or as Frank made the comment, the judge is going to make a decisions for you. The probate court system is. So this is an opportunity for, you know, we have offices throughout Chicago, and what we'll do is, and there's no cost or obligation for this. If you want to come in, bring in your estate plan documents, bring in your statements. We'll talk about beneficiary designations. We'll look at everything from the tax aspect of it, from the titling assets, from your beneficiaries, even get to the personal wishes and how those things are set up. And then you'll walk out of there knowing, okay, here's where I send it. Here are the steps I need to take to get this in place to do the best thing for myself and my family. I mean, this is, this is an opportunity for you to come in again. No cost or obligation. We have offices in Northbrook, Chicago, uh, Schaumburg, and Oakbrook. If you want to schedule some time to come in, if you give us a call in the next few minutes, we will meet with you. We'll do a comprehensive estate planning review. So give us a call, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185. There's no cost or obligation, as I said, so you really have no excuse. And even if you've done these documents, as I said, it's a great opportunity to review them and understand what you have in place. What's great about this, and, and, and you can garner from other shows we've done, is there's a lot of moving parts, and these are very interrelated. Your estate plan uh, works with your tax plan. That works with your investment plan. And they need to all be working together to accomplish the same goals. Just in this show today, we've talked about it with 401ks, retirement accounts, if, if you don't have beneficiaries on it, now you go to probate, well, that may also t- trigger a huge taxable event as well. You may lose some of that tax deferral and the ability to stretch out that IRA and now come up with a big tax bill. So again, there's yeah. all these moving parts. So it's great to have a consultation that looks at all those things, not just saying, okay, we're just going to look at the estate plan and that's it. No, you want to take that comprehensive look and, and take that look down from the blimp to look at everything. So give us a call, 800 800- 748-3185, 800-748-3185. Stick around. We have a lot more to get into. Welcome back. You know, I, I guess I should uh, say we need to pay tribute to uh, Chuck Barris who passed away. I was going to cue in uh, Jumping at the Woodside, the Count Basie song. That's what Gene Gene, the dancing machine, used to dance to. But, uh, you know, it's, we always see these things happen where Hollywood or well-known the celebrities pass away and we think, wow, that's totally different. But you know what's interesting about that is it isn't because they have assets. You always hear these horror stories. I mean, it's just like when Philip Seymour Hoffman, I know it seems like decades ago when he passed away, he wasn't married. So he had a, uh, this woman that he had children with. I mean, it's, it can be, and these are real life situations too. I and mean, there's people out there that have these situations. So it, it is similar. Look, the estate's at value may be larger, but one of the things is um, really, I think, which gets us to a point here is, the size of your estate does not determine. People say, well, my estate's not that big. It's no big deal, right? You hear that one. Well, you know, Tom, 
That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, if you noticed one thing as we've been talking about the planning, one thing we never said was, what's the size of your estate? Because it doesn't matter. You know, the things that we talked about is, is what about your 401k? It doesn't matter how large your 401k is. It's the same. You have the same issues. Same thing with your house. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter how much equity you have in your house. It's the same issue regardless of the size of your house. And so we never once talked about, well, if you have this level of assets, give us a call. We didn't say that because that's not the issue. And so it's not dictated by how much is your net worth. Again, you have the same issues about titling, about right. probate, regardless of the value. So so you're absolutely right. You know, getting back to your point though about Philip Seymour Hoffman, again, people think, oh, you know what, that's a significant other. She must get something. Again, no, she does not. You know, the other thing that I see all the time is, is you know, what about stepchildren? You know, people say, I want my stepchildren included, or I don't want my stepchildren included. I guess that's not ultimately the point. But people think, oh, they're children. They're my wife's children. They're my husband's children. They must be included. Your stepchildren are not included under the law. You have to specifically include them. So if you want to include them, you need to make, you need to take steps to do that. The law does not acknowledge. Unless they're legally adopted, right? The law only acknowledges naturally born or legally adopted children. So if you have a significant other, we're not married, that person is excluded. And if you have stepchildren that are not adopted, they are excluded from your estate plan. And so, again, some people go, yeah, well, that's fine. That's what I want. But what about the people who say, no, I want them included? I've raised those kids my whole life. Those are That's my son. That's my daughter. Yeah. You need to do something. You need to include it. And this is the thing when we talk about trust. And, you know, I used to work with someone who always said he had th- two girls, and he said, they're not married yet, but I already hate my son-in-laws. So <clears throat> gets the question of we've got in-laws. And, again, it's not to disparage anyone here, but the point is, you know, we talk about keeping things in the bloodline. One of the nice things about, and it's the same thing with beneficiary designations, is you can name children, but what happens, God forbid, you know, if, and we talk about the what ifs, what if a child predeceases you? Do you want their share to go to their children? And what provisions have you made for that? So that, um, you know, if you don't name outright son-in-laws or daughter-in-laws, they should not be included in the estate plan. Right. You know, and again, a lot of people come back that, you know, they subscribe to the the old wait and see theory. Well, if God forbid something happens to my children, I'll address it at that point in time. You know, and and again, that provides that you are in the state of mind that you can do that or that you even remember to do that. And so, again, I I think it makes sense to kind of take these contingencies into place, into plan and and account for them. And so these are questions that, you know, you have to ask yourself. If something were to happen to my son or something were to happen to my daughter, what would I want their share to go to? Would I want it to go to my grandchildren? Would I want it to go to my son-in-law or my daughter-in-law? Would I want it to go to my other child? And so, again, don't let the law control where your assets go. You need to control where they go because what you want isn't necessarily what the law is going to provide. Well, let me, I, let, I think that's the big key word there, Frank, is, is control. And that's a very powerful word, whether it's talking about retirement planning and saying, I want control of what I do in retirement, when I retire, how I live my life after I retire. You have to do things, put things in place so you have that control. With estate planning, it's the same way. You need to understand yep. and, and detail out, put plan, a plan in place of your wishes to have that control. Otherwise, you're scrambling around, and a lot of times it's too late. And now you're just playing catch-up and just trying to do things to try to have some semblance of control, but it's lost. It's gone. You've missed that time. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time to put these things in place. Right? It's the idea that when, when, do, you, when yep. do you build the wall, right, when, when, the, when the enemy's at your gates or, or prior to that? It's planning. It's putting things in place so you can say – 
I'm comfortable with whatever comes this way. I'm ready for, and then I can adjust accordingly after that. But yeah. I'm ready. For, I'm not going to get blindsided and lose that control. Well, we talk about the what ifs, and that's why we off made this special offer of uh, of a consultation where you come in. There's no cost or obligation. We'll walk you through the what ifs. Again, if you've done the documents, bring them in. If you haven't done documents, hey, obviously we, you need to start somewhere here. So we'll go through the what ifs. What have you done here? What happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? We talk about those things. What happens if your wife predeceases you? What happens if one of your children predeceases you? Have you made provisions for them? Who are your trustees? How do you want to set things up? Who are your beneficiaries? This is a process where we can walk through everything with you. We can do a complete review with you. We'll talk about everything from how the assets are titled, how the beneficiaries are set up, how the assets, we, we haven't gotten into this yet, but how things will be taxed, how to get to your children in the most efficient manner. This is an opportunity to take advantage of this. We will review everything for you. Walk out of there with, with a plan and knowing what you need to put in place so your children, your family, everyone's taken care of, and you control it, not somebody else. So if you want to take advantage of this, again, there's no cost or obligation. We have offices throughout Chicagoland, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185. Uh, take advantage of this. Again, it's a great opportunity to, to, to really learn and understand where you're at. Um, we don't, we're coming up against the clock here. I want to get into some beneficiary designations. We haven't really had a lot of time. One thing I'm going to talk about is per stirpes. We talk about going through a trust. Now, beneficiary designations, unless you name a trust or a will directly, have nothing to do with your documents. That's right. We're going to explain that in a minute. Coming up, we're going to talk about beneficiaries designations and how you want to set them up. Okay. You know, coming back, we, we, I left you with saying we're going to talk a little bit more about beneficiaries and get into that. We, we, did, we did talk about what happens um, you know, when you have your children as beneficiaries, and this is pretty common well, let's talk about beneficiary designations. A couple of things I want to say. One comment I made is unless you name your trust or your estate plan documents as beneficiaries, they have absolutely nothing to do. So you can put provisions in your trust, but if, if your beneficiaries are your spouse first, your children second, that's outside of your trust. It flows directly to them, whether it's life insurance or retirement accounts. One comment I will make on that, and we can talk a little bit more about this, is um, there's a term I used. I said it's called per stirpes. You know, you can add that. If you name a child and you put per stirpes, some forms now allow you to check it. It means it's a Latin term, meaning by the branches, I believe. But uh, that means you can put in their documents a simple phrase that allows if a child predeceases you, it goes to their children. So there's all these things that you can take a look at on beneficiary designations understanding. And that's something we'll review if you do come in. Well, you're right, though. So, I mean, the like my 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 take or my concern with the purse therapies is is yeah so I could certainly put on my life insurance or I could put on um, my retirement account purse therapy so that if something say happened to my children it would go to their children which is what I would want but the problem is 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 I can't get as sophisticated or as complicated in that designation that I want and what do I mean by that if I just say purse therapies or even if I just say my children they get it when they become adults and that's the age of eighteen you know and so again. Uh, for me, 18 is too young. For other people, maybe it isn't. But if 18 is too young, the purse therapies works in that it provides that, yeah, my children, then my grandchildren, and so on down the branches. But I want to control when they get the money because I don't want minors to have access to money. And so I need something more than just that purse therapies. And again, we're going to get into it, but that's really where the trust comes in because the trust allows me to be more flexible. The trust allows me to cover more provisions, more of the what ifs than just the form that I can fill out with the insurance company or with the custodian on my retirement account. Yeah. So minors are an issue is what you're saying. Well, for me, minors are an issue. You know, what if my children have, you know, they're incapacitated? You know, what if they have disabilities? You know, what happens with their money? 
if they're, I mean, again, I see a problem with children, especially when you're talking about, I don't know what the kids are going to be like. But, you know, of course, you have minors' age being an issue. You know, what if they're disabled and they're getting some sort of benefits mm-hmm. and then they inherit all this money? Does that, how does that impact their benefits? Mm-hmm. And so I, you wouldn't want them to get a lump sum of money and then they lose their benefits. And so that needs to be provided, that needs to be protected. And then you get the other thing is, is, is what if they just have bad spending habits? You know, they're so-called spendthrifts. I mean, they're 18, they're 21. Let, let's they're going to have it. terrible spending you, you habits. View, <laughs> you view the world differently when you're 18, when you're 21, when you're 25. And, and then so, some people, you know, never change. But again, the goal is you're, you're protecting them from themselves. The idea is you want to leave this legacy. You're trying to put a plan in place yeah. to help them with their financial future. If they blow it all on, on cars yeah. or clothes or whatever an 18 or 21-year-old is going to do, I mean, I think, what is the statistic? The average person spends through their inheritance in, what, six to nine months? I think it's something yeah, along those lines. And, yeah. Again, it's, it's a, money, money that, you, that you don't earn yourself sometimes has a yeah. different view to you. It's kind of like uh, the lotto people. The people in the lotto, they, they end up broke, and it's like, what happened? It's like, well, you think that this is a – it's not an income. It's not this money that's continually going to come in. It's a one-time, here you go. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's the issue. We need to protect sometimes from ourselves. Not that the money's not there for them. There could be provisions so that if they're going to school – these assets can be left to, to pay for schooling and other things. They're just not going to get it a blank check to say, here, do what you want. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's, yeah. that's all for the best. I think we've had clients, too, that have come in and said, I wish I, my dad would have put something like this in place for me because I spent through all my inheritance. And I wish yeah. I, I hadn't because I see the power of it now. Well, these are, again, all these what ifs. How do I set these things up? Again, that's why we would, we would walk you through these things, really items to consider that maybe you've never, no one's ever asked you these things. But with minor children, again, very common, spouse first, children second, on my beneficiaries. If your child is nine year old, nine years old, they're not going to cut a check for a half million dollars of a life insurance benefit to a nine year old. So that complicates things. That's why in these cases where a trust is a benefit, number one, it can act as a beneficiary, by the way. Not only can you have assets titled to the trust, but the trust can be a beneficiary designation on these assets. And then you can have provisions in your trust that say, look, I don't want my children to get it to their 25, 30, and 35, or whatever. Maybe. Do you see the beauty of all of this? You can create a plan and a roadmap for, and, 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 and again, not, not, uh, it's, it's really to protect the children more than anything. So these are things that you can do. I'm going to make this offer again. I don't know if you want to make a comment first before we do this. Well, the only thing I was going to say is, again, you get back to that 9-year-old. And so I guess the question is, is okay, that's fine. The money's going to be held by someone until that 9-year-old becomes 18. Who's the person who's holding that money for them? Mm-hmm. And so, again, if you're saying, well, my daughter's passed away and I'm leaving money to my nine-year-old grandson, who holds that? Well, that's their father, your son-in-law. And you might go, yeah, I never really got along with my son-in-law. I don't want my son-in-law in control of this money yeah. for my kids. Well, that's what happens because they are their legal guardian. And yeah. so you have legal guardians, which are mom and dad, in control of that money until they're 18. And so even if you go, yeah, I'm fine with them getting it at 18, what if you have a problem with the person who's going to be in charge of that money until they're 18? Yeah. And it comes back to the point is, is you have to take control. You have to say, no, it's not my son-in-law. It's not my daughter-in-law. It's my other son. It's yeah. my other daughter. And so it's the same thing. If your daughter passes, wouldn't you rather have your son potentially controlling the grandchildren's money rather than your son-in-law? And most people are going to go, yeah, I do, because what if my son-in-law meets somebody else? Yeah, and so that's, and you disinherit your grandchildren. So again, there's all these things that come into play, and I know we're, we're trying to hit it as much as we can here. We're limited to an hour, and that's why we offer these 
these these no cost, no obligation consultations where you can come into any one of our offices. We've got the attorney, Frank, right here. We'll review your documents if you've done them. If you haven't done them, obviously this is something you need to do. We'll t- go through the whole process of saying, how have you set things up? How is your distribution section? Who are your beneficiaries? Let's review how assets are titled. Is the trust funded or not? And what should you put in place? You'll walk out of there knowing what you need to put in place to actually have a solid estate plan and know that you put things in place so you control your assets, your family controls your assets, you keep probate out of it, you have costs that are limited, you're minimizing taxes. It's a great, great opportunity. So give us a call for this next few minutes to set up some time to come visit us. We're, out, we're throughout Chicagoland, 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185 to set up some time to come in. Uh, we have a little more to get into here today. We have, we have, well, unfortunately, we're limited in time, but we're going to talk a little bit more about personal wishes when we come back. You want to hear about this as well. Welcome back, everyone. I know we've covered a lot of ground today. We've talked about how do you ask, how do you title assets? How should you set up beneficiaries? A lot to think about. And of course, we're limited to an hour. We can't cover it all. That's why we offer these, these, the opportunities to come into our office at no cost to go through all these things with you. Because everybody's situation is unique. We have the workshops, which, by the way, I forgot to mention it. Frank reminded me. Again, we have an estate planning, Fundamentals of Estate Planning Workshop on April 22nd. Please, you can call in. When you call in, you can register for that, or you can go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com. That's alphawealthgroup.com and register. Or again, give us a call at 800-748-3185, 800-748-3185 to register. Um, and then also, I'll make that offer again for the consultation. You want to come in uh, to one of our offices uh, Frank is sitting right here. We have uh, the estate planning attorney. We'll he'll look at the documents. We'll review them for you. You're going to have a f- complete review. And you'll walk out of it with what I like to call peace of mind because you'll know what you need to do. Um, I think you made the comment earlier, Frank. It's really not as difficult as people. A lot of times when we go through this process, people are like, boy, it didn't really cost that much. It really wasn't that, wasn't that difficult. And it really is a, it's almost like a relief when they finally get this done. You're right. I mean, you know, people say, oh, I've been putting it off because it just seems so complicated or it just seems like it's going to be so expensive. And so I'm not going to do anything. And then when you sit down with them, they go, wow, I understand that. That that makes a lot of sense. And uh, it wasn't anywhere near as complicated as I thought it was going to be. You know, and obviously we're covering a lot in a short period of time. So we don't want it to make it seem like it's too complicated. Um, Throwing a lot out in a short period of time, but it really isn't. It's manageable. It's something that people could comprehend. It's something that's certainly understandable and again from a cost standpoint it's it's manageable it isn't what people think it is yeah so if you want to schedule a time give us a call 800-748-3185 800-748-3185 now one last thing we only have a few minutes here but this is maybe not the legal aspect but i just want to make a quick comment on personal directives last wishes uh, personal property memorandums. This is something that everyone needs to do. So I'm going to make one last a suggestion and an assignment is, you know, talk about and have that family meeting. You know, where do you want your wedding ring to go? What about that baseball card collection? Because sometimes the, these personal items, well, maybe not the biggest value, can be the biggest problem in the estate planning, right? Well, you know, most parents think, oh, my kids can just figure it out. They get along. Everyone's great. They'll figure out who's getting the china, who's getting this, who's getting that. But you know what? That doesn't always happen. And so, you know, again, it comes down to making, con- taking control, making sure that no one's fighting, no one's arguing, and, and, and having something spelled out saying this is who's getting these personal items. You know, the other thing that you guys always talk about a lot, you know, it is your asset locator. Now, the other thing is, is people come in and they go, I don't know what mom and dad have. You know, we never sat down. We never talked. I don't know if they have life insurance. I don't know where their bank mm-hmm. accounts are. You know, and so again, you get these people who don't want to 
you know, they want to keep it, you know, close to the vest. And so they don't tell their children because they don't want their children to know what they have. And then the kids are left scrambling, trying to find what assets mom and dad have. And so I know you guys always talk about, you know, that asset locator. And it's one of the other, I think, things that you offer. But again, it's a good document. It's a good vehicle. If you don't want to tell the kids, that's fine. But at least have a plan in place so that when they need to find this stuff, they can. But also think about this. Yes, okay, maybe 10 years ago, it was a little easier because if you didn't tell them, they could stuff was going to come in the mail. You're going to get a statement every month. You're going to get a, you're going to get all this stuff. It would come in the mail. Now with digital copies and yeah. a lot of stuff that is paperless, well, if you don't have their access to those accounts, you may never know that, that it's right. even out there. You have no idea. And it's just like, uh, you know, sitting by the mailbox isn't, isn't really uh, an option anymore. So, yes, you need to have that communication. You need to have yep. – if you don't want to do it during your lifetime, you need to have some instructions afterwards so these people – you leave some, yep. some, some, some idea of, okay, here's what happens, here's where you need to go. But you're right. You know, you always see it. You know, you have that envelope that says, in the case of my passing or my disability, open up this envelope. That's exactly what you need to have. Well, unfortunately, we run out of time. I want to thank Frank for being here. And everyone, if you get a chance, go to our, our website, uh, sign up for our workshop, April 22nd, Fundamentals of Estate Planning. As always, everyone have a blessed week, and let's get to work.